And if you think about it, the word, the word of God is the, by itself the most powerful thing in the universe. It's powerful. The word of God can change your life. It, it can take you from defeat. Just the word with its own power can take you from total defeat to total victory if you do what it says. Amen. Thanksgiving was put together by Christians. It was intended to be a day where people recognized all the blessings that they had gotten from God. And they were going to acknowledge that day and they were going to thank God for all the blessings they had received. And it became a national holiday one day in the year that we celebrate and try to remember God. The thing is now, though, it's a secular holiday, right? It's not really a Christian holiday anymore except to those of us who are believers. We know what we're thinking, who we're thinking. And so we try to remember some great things that have happened in our lives that, uh, that we can thank God about. I'm going to talk to you today about Thanksgiving. And um, if you could put that uh, list of scriptures up there. These are ten scriptures that Sherry and I picked out some years ago when we were going through our own particular issues back in the recession time. We are, we're, we're faith people, and so faith people are supposed to be able to use their faith and rise above the recession. Well, we rose above it, but at the same time, there's some things that we experienced. And we, we rose above it with our minds. You know, we rose above it by focusing on the good things that were happening in our lives and not the bad things. Still, though, we experienced some financial issues during the recession. So I had asked God, God, show me something here. Where are we missing this? Because we are uh, experiencing some issues here. In addition to be a ministry, we've always had a company of something. We have an import company, and we had a, a mortgage company. Our mortgage company in Miami got legislated out of business. They just eliminated one whole, uh, one whole group of mortgage broker businesses, and we were one of them that got eliminated. One day we were in business, the next day we, we weren't in business. We didn't have a license anymore. But that was just one little thing. So uh, I was asking God, God, how, where, where are we missing this, that this recession can be eaten at our stuff? And uh, it wasn't long after that that I was watching Christian television one day, and I saw this particular pastor that we followed and studied with over, over the years. And he was teaching a five-day series, 30-minute segments, on the subject of Thanksgiving. And as I listened to this guy teach, I said, Wow, this is some stuff I've never seen in the Word before. I see that there are a lot of scriptures about Thanksgiving, but I didn't really get it myself. I didn't really understand. I had, you, you know, when you're studying the Word, when you read the Word, there's one thing is to read it. Another thing, you can even memorize parts of it. But until you understand it, you can't take it for yourself. You can't latch on to it and say, oh, this means something to me. If I do this, it's going to change my life. If I do this thing that this other thing that I'm finding here, it's going to have positive results in my life. Until I see that, then I've just read something, right? It's just a book. But the Bible says in Hebrews um, 4, verse 12, that the word is alive. It says it's alive. Now, I didn't mention this verse in the other service, so somebody here maybe needs that verse. The Word of God is alive. It has its own life, and it wants to connect to your life and my life. 
Until I understand what that word is trying to tell me, I can't connect to it. We can't put our lives together, the life of the word with my life. When I can do that, then I can apprehend it and make it mine. I can release my faith over it. But I have to understand it. I have to take it and then release my faith over it. So I was listening to this guy, and he was teaching on the subject of Thanksgiving. But he was teaching on it not just as some religious thing that we should do. It was an empowerment thing. I mean, I used to look at these scriptures as I studied the word. I've been a Christian for 30 years, and uh, I've always been involved in teaching one way or another or as being an elder, um, various leadership things in several different churches. <clears throat> we had our own church for a, t- a while in Miami for five years, and I learned in that five years' experience that uh, God had not called me to be a pastor. So... Uh, it, it became evident, and uh, in any event, this guy was teaching about Thanksgiving in such a way that I saw it as an empowerment, and I said, I want to really study this. I want to really understand this, because it's, it's not just a religious exercise where because God is wonderful, because God is great, because God is God, we have to thank him all the time. All those scriptures up there looking up here, y'all are looking here. All those scriptures are from the New Testament. There's a bunch more in the New Testament, and there's a whole bunch more in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a couple from the Old Testament in a a few minutes. But these are my favorite ten. I really like the first one and the second one. My wife and I were talking about this between services. We latched on to... I got the same list right here. We we made a list of these ten just like this. This is a summary form. You know, you really need to look them up and see the whole thing in context. But we we put that list on the, on our refrigerator. It was there for a year and a half probably to remind us to be thankful, to remind us to be grateful, to remind us that the word the word is telling us something about Thanksgiving here. But I like the first two. Uh, and, and, and we would confess these first two scriptures all the time. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ. Does it say that God gives us the victory through Christ? What victory is that talking about? It's talking about victory in every area of life, spirit, soul, and body. It's talking about the victory. We're not supposed to be defeated. We're not supposed to be walking around in defeat. We're not supposed to be weak. We're not supposed to be being beat up all the time. We're supposed to have the victory through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in Philippians chapter 4. I forget which verse. Which one? 13. All right, you got that? Write it down. That's a good one. I can do all things through Christ. Can I do some things or all things? It says all things, right? So what am I ever going to come in contact with to do that's not included in all? I can do all things. You can say amen when I say something like that. I can do all things. If I approach whatever challenge I have with the mentality that I can accomplish this thing because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, I'm going to be able to do it. I just have to let God do it. The the other one is thanks be to God who, now, get this, thanks be to God who always, there's another always, 
always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. If you have a challenge, if you have an issue, if you have a problem, if you have something that's out there, an obstacle, whatever's in front of you, it says always. I will always get the victory. How many of you can look back on things that you've encountered in your Christian walk that you didn't overcome, that you weren't victorious over? Eventually, you were victorious. It might take a while. But you're either going to be victorious or go to be with Jesus, you know. If you're still here, you're going to get the victory. If you go to be with Jesus, that's a big victory. So, anyway, it works out. Amen? Uh, I used to wonder about this Thanksgiving thing, though, before I heard this guy on television. Why are these scriptures, uh, why are they there? Why Why are they in the Word? Is it just because... We, we, we need to acknowledge that God is great, God is good. Is it, is it just a religious thing that we need to thank God, or is there something more behind it? <clears throat> and um, there's a lot of scriptures. This is just the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible about thanksgiving, about giving thanks, about being grateful. And if you don't think about it, if you don't see them all in one place, which is why I put them on a piece of paper like that so you can see 10 of them all in one place including the last one which says we're supposed to continually give thanks how can you continually give thanks and i would come against a scripture up to a scripture like that and i would say well that's nice but since it's impossible to continually do anything how am i going to do it what's it there for I, i i don't get it and so like most people, I would read up to that point, and I would go over it and go on to something else because I didn't understand it. Finally, when I saw this guy on television and heard him teach about it, I began to understand what that means, and I'm going to try to impart that to you today. Um, God doesn't need our thanksgiving. He's not going to particularly react to us one way or the other if we don't thank him or if we do thank him. The the verses are there for us. The Word of God is there for us. It's not for God. It's for us. It's been put down on paper so that we can read it and get something out of it and use it to be victorious in our walk. If it's not there for that purpose, then we're, we've been deceived. But God's not the deceiver. The deceiver is the enemy. And uh, God has given us this Word the word is eternal. It says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the word is eternal. This is a manifestation of God right here. It's in written form. This is God. I happen to have the new American Standard Version of God, but that's God. Amen? It comes in all different translations. But uh, Jesus is the word. Jesus is eternal. The word is eternal. And uh, those words are there for a purpose. So I was looking for this word. We were going through this time, and uh, the pastor, after he got through teaching, he said, well, back in my church, he said, I have 17 teachings about Thanksgiving. Each one of them was an hour and a half long. As soon as I heard that, I went to his archives in his church, and Sherry and I looked at all those teachings, not once, but about ten times. We've seen all of them. We've seen, I don't know how many times we've seen those teachings, especially me. 
And I took notes, and then I began to write articles about them, and that helped me a lot, just writing the articles to, to learn what Thanksgiving is about. And uh, one of the conclusions that I've come to over the years is that the New Testament and all that we have here, wonderful stuff, it's not there as rules and regulations. I, different churches that I've been in over the years, somebody's always trying to make a rule out of something. You know, you need to do this in order for this to happen, or you should do this, and if you don't do this, then you're wrong, or you're whatever. But the New Testament doesn't set up things that way. It's not that way. There was an old covenant. The old covenant said, if you obey God, then you're going to get some blessings, and if you disobey God, you're going to get some curses. Is that what it said? It says that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, among other places, but that's a good place to look. I don't mean now, but if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you look at the first 14 verses, you find the blessings of God. If you look from verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter, you'll find way more curses than there were blessings. There are a lot of curses there. Uh, so that was an old covenant. Now we come to the new covenant. The new covenant says that that old covenant has been set aside. It was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it. It's been set aside. Now we live under a different system. Jesus really gave two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor, right? You know, there were other things that he said, this is a new commandment, but they were pretty much variations of those two commandments. Our New Testament is not full of laws and regulations and things that we have to do. If we don't do, we're going to get in disfavor with God. There are four different places that I can think of right now where the Bible says <clears throat> that with the passing of the word, with the set, uh, of the law, with the setting aside of the law, God is not holding us accountable for our sins in the new covenant. That's a big deal. He's not holding us accountable. So you don't have to get all guilty about your sins. I mean, you regret them, and you don't want them to, to commit sins because you love God. But God, is, you know, he's not too impressed one way or the other. He's already done what he's going to do. He sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus, uh, Jesus died for us. He shed his blood. He was resurrected. And we're saved. All we have to do is believe. Everything's fine for us. So it's not about laws and commandments. And also those things are not there as suggestions. I suggest that you give thanks continually. It's, that's not there. I suggest that you do this. Or I su so what are they? And the conclusion I came to which I discussed in the first service, is that they're instructions for us. The New Testament has been written down. The four Gospels and the, the letters from the various apostles have been written there for our instruction. They're to equip us. They're to make us something special, greater than we would be if we weren't believers and if we didn't pursue the word. Instructions. This, these are instructions. I instruct you to do this for what purpose? to empower you, to make you victorious, to give you a, a, an, an opportunity to be all that you can be in the body of Christ. If you follow these things, if you do these things, these instructions, things are going to be better for you than if you don't follow them. If you live a different lifestyle, if you live a different way, it's not going to turn out as well as if you do these things. If you look at the New Testament as an empowerment thing, rather than you're just a victim of something, there's a lot of folks that think they're victims, you know. 
that they're victims of this or victims of that. Um, that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to be victorious in Christ. I just, you know, gave you a couple of scriptures there. So, so I see them as instructions. And then here we have all of these scriptures that are instructing us to thank God, to be grateful. It's another way to look at it, to be grateful. How can these scriptures, how can, how can this empower us to be victorious? This is what I'm trying to impart today. I'm trying to tell you that with a simple attitude adjustment, you can change who you are in the kingdom of God. I don't care where you are. You can be up here, and you're already victorious in most things, but you haven't seen this particular thing yet. You can add this to your repertoire, so to speak, and you're going to be more victorious. Because... Let me give you a couple of scriptures that establish the principle that if you're grateful, it's going to be a benefit to us, to you. And the first one is Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. These are Old Testament scriptures, but as I explained this morning, the principle of life that the Old Covenant explains isn't something that has been done away with. Those principles still exist. What doesn't exist is that you have to live under them in order to impress God. All you have to do to get what God's got for you is to believe in Christ. But here's the principle of life. Life is about discovering biblical principles so that you make your life more victorious than if you don't know the principle. Okay. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. So here's the first part of the principle. Who is me in that sentence? Me is a capital M. That's God. If you go back and read it in context, just before he says this, the, the writer of this psalm, just before he says it, the, the psalm is explaining that God's really mad with the Israelites. But then he comes with this. He says, but if you'll stop your wicked ways and do this, if you will honor me, I'll honor you. If you look in the King James Version, that's what that scripture says. If you honor me with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is when you do something you don't want to do, right? You, 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 in this case, make, uh, give thanks when you don't want to. The flesh never wants to. Your flesh nature, my flesh nature, what, what part of it still remains in us? It doesn't want to ever thank God for anything. It doesn't like God. It doesn't want to trust God. doesn't want to depend on God. doesn't want to go with God. The further away it can get from God, the happier it is. The flesh wants to identify with the world. Your redeemed spirit wants to identify with the word. Amen? You can say amen there. Thank you. Okay. So, it says here, that there's a time when you can give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. A sacrifice, there, there's a couple of ways to look at this, but a sacrifice would be like when you've experienced something really bad, you know, when you first think about it, and you think, wait a minute, I'm not going to focus on the bad thing. I'm going to focus on the good thing. The Bible says all the good things come from God. Every good thing comes from God. If you think about it, there's no other source of good things. Only God has good things. The devil doesn't have good things. People don't have good things. They try to give good things, but they're temporary things. God gives good eternal things. Amen. 
So I, I have to choose to focus on the good things and to not focus on the bad things. So I thank God um, for, for, the, for the good things he's doing. I thank God for Granberry. I thank God for Generations Church. I thank God for y'all. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for friends. I can think of thousands of things that I can thank God for. And so I begin to thank God instead of focusing on the bad things, instead of focusing on the fact that I have no money in my checking account or my credit card is charged up to the max or whatever. I'm not going to focus on that. God, <clears throat> you have a problem here with my checking account. I'm hoping you're going to do something about it. I'm going to fact release my faith over the fact that you are going to do something about it. But now I'm going to focus on all the good stuff you've done for me. And I'm going to honor you with a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Another way you can describe um, a sacrifice is when you release faith over something. Because a lot of times you release faith over a promise in the word that hasn't been delivered yet, right? So it's sacrificial because it hasn't shown up yet. You're saying, God, you promised me something. Therefore, I'm thanking you for it now. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm thanking you for it now. It hasn't shown up yet. It's not in my bank account yet or wherever. But I'm thanking you for it because I know you, God. And I know your word. And I know what you promised because I read it and I study it and I know what's in there. And if I know it, then I can thank God for the receiving of it. That's a, that's a, another way that I can describe sacrificial thank, uh, thanksgiving. So let's go to the the other scripture I want to put with this one. That, that word salvation, by the way, in that previous Scripture there, uh, he's going to show the salvation of God. Remember that Hebrew word there that's translated salvation means deliverance. Um, it means eternal life, of course, salvation. Uh, but, but it means deliverance and it means healing and it means prosperity. There's a lot of things that are included in the salvation of God in the Old Covenant. Okay, now let's go to the other Scripture. Um Therefore, this is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. I got excited when I put these two scriptures together. And uh, every time I write on the series, or write my series on this subject, I start out with these two scriptures. Because this is the basis for the whole principle. The, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. We can eliminate the despise part because we're now in the new covenant. If you're a believer in Christ, God's not going to despise you. But I'm interested in the honor part. I want God to honor me. Don't you want God to honor you? I, I, you know, I'm not sure where what, what limits God has when it comes to honoring Christians. Probably he doesn't have any limits. Except that he probably wants to honor us more than he's able to. And in that way, we limit him. Because God is love. God wants to release unlimited blessing over the body of Christ. But we haven't, we haven't put ourselves in a position where that can happen yet. Here's the concept, though. Those who honor me, I will honor so let's stop there. The previous verse said what? Sacrifice of thanksgiving is honoring God. 
So with a simple act, I, to me it's simple. Now, as I look back on it in the beginning, maybe it wasn't so simple. But by the simple act of being grateful, by giving thanks to God, I honor him and I put myself in position. At least I put myself in position to be honored in return. Now, what I do after that has some bearing on how much I'm going to be honored. But the lesson here is, can we learn to be grateful? Because the tendency of believers is to not be grateful. The tendency of believers is to think God owes us something. The tendency of believers is to grumble about when they change the carpet or they, you know, or they change the way the service is performed or, you know, there's all different things we can complain about. But we are by nature complainers. God's trying to change us from that. One of the things he's trying to do is to get us out from being that. Stop being complainers. But we have to do the work. We, we do that by focusing on the word. And then we begin to focus on being grateful. How are, how are we going to be grateful? Well, I'll tell you something that we started doing. Every time we ever pray together, which is frequently, we always start our prayer time with thanksgiving. We always start with thanking God for specific things. Thank you, God, for this. Uh, we just bought a new house. <clears throat> Long testimony about how we bought a new house. If we didn't get money at specific times, we wouldn't be in that house today. And uh, we believe God for it, and it came, and we're grateful. We're thankful. And uh, we're thankful for our new house. We're thankful for our marriage. We're thankful that uh, God provides. We're thankful for our friends. We're thankful for the church. You know, I'm going over some of the stuff I went over a while ago, but it's not hard to be grateful, and it's not hard to practice it. It's you have to say, we have to say, this is important. The Word of God is instructing me to develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, to develop a lifestyle of being grateful. God doesn't owe me anything. He already paid everything he can, he can pay. He already sent his son to the cross. What does God owe me? I'm done as far as him owing me anything. He, he took care of everything. Now the rest is up to me. I've got to, I've got to let the word renew my mind so that I come to a point where I am continuously grateful. How are you continuously grateful? Like that scripture said, you live a lifestyle of being grateful. The more, the, the more grateful you practice, them, the more you will be, right? Anything you practice and bring into your lifestyle, that's the way you're going to be. Right now, we have a bunch of bad habits. You know, the longer, well, I was going to say the longer that we're born again, the better our habits become. That's not always true, but it should be. It should be because God, the, the Holy Spirit in us is trying to renew our minds. That's the big deal. That's in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You see there, God's trying to renew our minds. Well, this is something we have to have our minds renewed to. We all think that everybody owes us something. Y'all don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe me anything. You know, it's it's not about entitlement. Um, unfortunately, though, we have a society now that is has developed a, menta- a mentality of entitlement, which exact which is the exact opposite of what I'm trying to convey today. Nobody owes anybody anything. In fact, the scripture says in Romans chapter 12, I believe it's verse 3, owe no man anything. Right? Except to love him. So, 
this is the basis, and, and, and I emphasize this is just the tip of the iceberg here. This is a big subject. It's relatively simple. People read a couple of the verses, like I said a while ago, and they get stumped. They say, how is it ever going to be continuous? How, how am I ever going to bring this into my life? Well, you do it by practice. And now I want to give you a third scripture, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's see if we can get to uh, verse, verses 9 through 11. I gave you the wrong verse a while ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to end with this scripture today. And just for background, this is going to be talking about the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And it's in the New Testament. So I, I want to, the first two scriptures in the Old Testament, now we're going to come to the New Testament. And uh, in that chapter, what it's saying there is that the experiences of the Israelites are for our examples. If you go back to the beginning of that chapter, how they acted and what they did and the trouble that they got into and the reaction, particularly the reaction that God had to them, all of those things are supposed to be examples for us. And that's one of the main places there in First Corinthians that we're reminded by the Apostle Paul. He was reminding the church in Corinth. We're reminded by the Apostle Paul, don't be like the Israelites. Don't be like them. They're... There were just an example for you to not be like. So, let's look at verse 9. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Remember, remember what happened to the Israelites. They grieved God and they made him so angry. The Bible says angry. God got angry. Godly anger. He got angry and none of the adults from that went into the wilderness in the beginning of the, of the trek Except for two, none of the none of the people who were over 20 or whatever that cutoff age was got to go into the promised land. None. Just uh, who were the two? Uh, Joshua and Ke- and Ke- Caleb. I couldn't come up with his name. They were the only ones, the only adults that made it out of the wilderness and into the promised land. God waited 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness 40 years. The trip across the wilderness, if they had gone directly from the Red Sea over to uh, where the promised land was, is 11 days. 11 days, and it took them 40 years. 40 years. 40 years because God was angry and says, you're not going into the promised land because you did certain things. Let's see what they were. Grumble. So, uh-oh, they grumbled. What happens if you're not grateful? Or does that make you a grumbler and a complainer? So here in the New Testament, it's warning us, don't be a grumbler, as some of them did. Who are them? The Israelites. And what happened to them? They were destroyed by the destroyer. This is in the New Testament. I just keep saying that because I want you to see this is in the New Testament. There's a destroyer. Go to the next verse. Now, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. As I said, the New Testament's for instruction. Here is an example written for our instruction, believers. He's writing to believers. Don't grumble. Don't be a complainer. Don't be ungrateful, because if you are, you open the door to the destroyer. 
you run the risk of opening the door to the destroyer. What does sin do? God doesn't hold us accountable for our sin. The Bible says that clearly. God's not holding us accountable for sin. It's in Romans 5, verse 13. Um, that's one place. Uh, Romans 4, 8. Romans 4, 15. Those are all places where it says God's not holding us accountable for our sin. But what does sin do? It opens the door to the destroyer. That's why you don't want to be a sinner, because it opens the door to the destroyer to come in and mess your stuff up, steal your stuff, steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give us abundant life. That's all there in one, one thought. So, here's what I'm saying. Most of the problems that we face in life, financial problems especially, most of those things happen because of something we did. We got too close to the world. We we did something that somebody gave us a hot tip on, and we went out and did it in the flesh instead of trying to find out what God wanted us to do with our finances. And so um, if, 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 if you get this concept where, where it says, honor God, honor God because it's a benefit to you. He deserves to be honored. He deserves to be thanked. Definitely, he deserves it. He's God, but it's for our own good. That's why the example of the Israelites is so profound, because we don't want to be opening the door to the destroyer. Destroy, he destroys marriages. He destroys finances. He destroys homes. He destroys relationships with children. He destroys everything he can get his hand on. He destroys your relationship with God. He will discourage you and separate you from the Word because you'll think, why is all this bad stuff happening in my life? The Word's not working. I'm not going to read it anymore. That's when you need to read it even more, right, is when you're going through a problem. Get in there and read it. I'm going to end with this. A year ago, there was a guy that Sherry and I had gone into Fort Worth to a church over there to listen to, and he challenged everybody in that meeting that day. To just put the word of God as your first priority in 2014. So we've done that. We said we're going to accept that challenge. And we made it like our first priority. You know, when we get up in the morning, we get up a little early so we can look at the word and we can study the word. Uh, This last year I've read the New Testament. I'm now in Exodus reading about those Israelites and the mess that they went through. I'm telling you. They were, they were something. And uh, three days after they left Egypt, they were griping because, and, and this was before Pharaoh came after them, they were griping already because they couldn't see clearly what was going to happen to them and they wanted to go back to Egypt. That, then Pharaoh leaves and he's chasing them through the Red Sea. They get to the other side of the Red Sea and three days later they're griping because they don't have any water. And then a couple of days later they didn't have enough to eat or whatever, you know, all those things that happened. They griped about everything, and it didn't stop there. They kept griping. When you put the Word first, the Word has within itself its own power. It's its own power source, and it can change your life. Those scriptures are just ten scriptures. They can change your life if you grab hold of them and bring them into your life. Come on up, brother, and I'll close everybody. The cowboys aren't on today. They they, they're done. <laughs> they're done. <laughs>
until next Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Here's what I'd like to do just to close this service. Um, I hope you got something out of it. I hope there was a little nugget that was imparted to you. And here's what I'd like to do. If you just bow your head, close your eyes for a second. I did this in the first service. And if you receive something out of this today, and you would say, you know, maybe I have been a grumbler. Maybe I have been ungrateful. Maybe I have focused on the wrong things. This word has ministered to me today in a special way, and I want to make a change. Without looking around, anybody that's heard that, and you would like to make a change, especially as we look to the new year, would you just raise your hand up just real quick? Don't look around. Just let the hands go up. You can put them down. I see all of them. I expected something like that, because most of us are like that. Even if we've been working on it for a while, we're just people. We're just humans. We're not quite right yet. we got part of us that's been redeemed. And God's working on the rest of it to try to get it redeemed. So we're not perfect. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your people, God. And I pray, Father, that something that you said through me today can be used to change lives, can be used to make a difference, can be used to repair relationships or repair something that the enemy intended to destroy. God, we're grateful for your word because your word changes us. Your word makes us victorious. God, teach us to receive it and to trust it and to act on it. And God, we thank you for the concept of thanksgiving. Help us be grateful, God. We want to be grateful people, especially for what Jesus has done. God, I thank you for every person that's here, for every heart that's being changed. In the name of Jesus, give the Lord a hand this morning.